0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
1: Welcome in here on a Thursday, everybody. Brett Morton, Austin Lane and Coos. Hope you're doing well. On this Thursday, I hope you have uh, continued to have many discussions and dialogue. And uh, I find myself not just on the radio having those discussions, but also having them at home uh, with my wife and kids and also long conversation with my mom today uh, about a variety of things. So uh, and colleagues uh, as well. So it is a uh, as I said to my mom. We once again, I said this if you remember if you're uh, if you've been listening, I said this during the pandemic uh, when it started. I said we are living in an historic time and and it is very unusual in in our lifetimes to know that's happening right mm-hmm. uh, think about the times you've known that's happening in your lifetime, like really could understand that's happening listen uh the 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 challenger explosion. Uh, when in one thousand nine hundred and eighty six I was like nine that was a huge moment for me like I remember that uh, i didn 't understand the historic value of it then mm-hmm. but i uh but it was a huge moment in my life of, of remembering that uh and uh, the seven astronauts and and all that so that would just give you an idea of what i 'm talking about, but then you fast forward to when i 'm just getting into the business and a couple of years in the business and nine eleven hits and i 'm a young adult at that time um it, that, obviously, you knew had historic value. You could understand it had historic value. Uh, President Barack Obama being elected, historic value, right? Uh, you knew it. You understood it. But my kids were four and five and six and seven years old during that stretch. Did they understand it? No, absolutely not. Uh, now, at this phase, you know in the pandemic when the everything stopped, that was an historic time. Uh, and and it has been an historic time. Like you know, people are going to read about this 50, 60, 70, 80 years from now. Well, couple the pandemic with what we are seeing across our country, and the conversations, and the protests, and everything taking place. And I once again uh, reiterated it uh, to to my mom today, and also. Uh, remind myself of it i mean these are historic times and so i don't know how many times that happens in a lifetime i really don't Uh, i just gave you a few examples of it but those stick out to me and uh we're living it. So, uh, we're also talking through it and discussing it. And it's been a big part of our show this week. Has been the only part. We do talk sports still. We will talk sports still. But sports is intersected with society, as I continue to say. And maybe, uh, no more than even in the last 24 hours or so, uh, quite frankly, with the Drew Brees discussion. A subsequent apology and the reaction around and where the conversation then takes us and has taken us. And uh, it's got a lot of tentacles to it. It's complex. Uh, I, I, in my life, try to simplify things. It's a complex issue, discussion, yet I still try to go back to simplify it. And uh, if you've heard me this week, I said, uh, do we need to be right and, and can we just do right? Well, I think there was a lot of doing right over the last uh, five, six days, over the last week in in protests. Ninety five percent of people, I think, peacefully protesting. Uh, Austin told us about his experience on Saturday here in Jacksonville during the protest. Doug Marone joined a protest in San Marco yesterday. I think there have been some eloquent statements and words from Emmanuel Acho to Jag's owner, Shad Khan. Uh, I, I will be honest with you. I think in the last 24 hours we've gotten back to trying to be right again. And I don't know if that gets away from the doing or if that's just part of the process. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, we'll see. But uh, I feel like in the last 24 hours, we're in the be right uh, category once again. And everybody's kind of separating themselves into a, into a certain corner uh, to some degree. Did the Drew Brees apology um, help any? Uh we we will discuss that today. Uh the latest on uh, Jake Fromm, uh, the Georgia quarterback and, and Buffalo Bill uh quarterback uh, who got drafted. He um now comes under fire for a statement he made uh, back in twenty nineteen. You know, a popular thing this day and age is uh uh, uh the word receipts and i'm not talking from a cash register well people are are holding people accountability uh, accountable for those receipts uh that that they're that are showing up so what you have said in the past doesn't matter uh because like we've always warned people social media doesn't go away what Mm -hmm. you've said Uh, And sometimes it's video and sometimes it's in writing, but also social media does not go away. And so we are going to see more of this, more of the Jake Fromm kind of instance, which we'll share with you in just a bit. And then how about late last night, Florida State and Mike Norvell's comments and then Marvin Wilson, who, by the way, is a stud player for Florida State, his reaction and what that means. And today, it gets me into a conversation we had briefly earlier this week, but I want to explore a little bit more. Is the bubble in sports breaking? Uh, what do I mean by that? I do believe people in sports live in a bubble, in big-time college football, and in, in the NFL, uh, in big-time professional sports, where all that money is there, and it's all about winning trophies, and it's all about accumulating dollars, and there's an embarrassment of riches, really, and glory uh, that go along with it. And so things get swept under the rug. And by the way, they get swept under the rug for coaches and people in high positions. They also get overlooked for players who do wrong, too, mm-hmm. and get covered up or dismissed. And we know that's taking place. So there's different varying levels of this. Uh, but... Is the sports bubble breaking this week to a degree? Is the what stays in the locker happened in the locker room stays in the locker room now breaking with people willing to talk on this platform? So that's a long introduction to the show today, but hello, Austin
0: Lane. How you doing, man? Good. Yeah, I mean, I think you you pretty much wrapped it up nicely in a nice little bow there. I don't have uh, much to bring to the introduction, if you will. I just think that right now where we're at and we're sitting here on a thursday and we're about a you know a, a little more than a uh, about a week removed now from you know when, when I, literally when i kind of addressed the situation on, on last friday yeah last and, friday afternoon and, right? and, and now i see where we're at and i'll be honest man it's it's catastrophic just how much has changed in those past six days now let's just call it um in good and bad, I think. I was going to say, right? yeah, Because, a- I mean, the, 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 there's been a lot of progress made and there's also been, um, you know, some players that have been brought to light. And, man, you know, it's it, it's it's crazy to comment, right? Because obviously we're going to touch on Drew Brees today. And, and Drew Brees, um, from an athletic standpoint, from a competitor, a guy that I played against, I have the utmost respect for what that guy brings a, to a football team, okay? I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And now we're kind of in the doldrums a little bit where it's like, well, where, where does he go from here? OK, because, yes, he had his comments yesterday. Now he's made an apology and we're kind of just left wondering, like, well, what's going to become of this? You know, and, and there's a couple instances that are going on. You mentioned Jake from a little bit and. To me, I don't want it to make it seem like, all right, well, this is this is a great time to be alive now because people are starting to come to the surface and we're starting to find out what people really believe in. Right. And the people that kind of present themselves to be, you know, like the, the wolves in sheep's clothing, let's call them out. You know, let's let's get on. Let's get on Twitter. Let's cancel. Them, let's do all this stuff. I don't want to co-sign on that. That's the be okay? right mentality. in that's, my opinion. Yeah, that's the, the, the that is the be right mentality. But at the same time, a part of me is conflicted because it's like, well, these people need to be called out. Right. Because let's be honest here right now, whether it's sports, whether it's the world, in my opinion, it's not a black and white thing. It's a right versus wrong thing. okay? And I think that if there's some people out there and once again, not saying this is Drew Brees, but there's some people out there who are on the wrong side of things. I mean, I think they need to be held accountable, you know, so it's. I guess it's conflicting to me where it's like, how much is enough? You know, like, do we have to cancel this person forever? Do we, do we expect Drew Brees to retire now, or do we accept Drew Brees' apology? Listen to him saying that he's going to help the black communities and everything, and he's going to stand, you know, with the Black uh, Lives Matter movement, and we're okay. And I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I I'm not the I'm not the ringleader. I don't, I don't have the jurisdiction here. I just don't know how to feel about
1: it. Yeah, it, it's a great point. You, I, I was going to get this a little later, but I'll bring yeah. it up because it, it segues right in right now. I, I think it's fast. We're all deep diving on ourselves a little bit mm-hmm. as we have these discussions because, quite frankly, man, you know, I talk about the bubble. And another bubble I'm going to talk about a little bit is the white person's bubble a little bit today. I mean, I am I live in that. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, we – I don't know if we all do, but I live in that, and I have – so. You start bringing discussions up and having the discussions we've had this week. And I'm not saying we've never had them before either. I mean, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, times in, in in going over history and, and uh, if, from quotes I remember and impacts of my childhood and going to school is Martin Luther King Jr., I mean, the quotes that I've always quoted from him uh, and read about. But then I also said like this to my mom, I said, hey, I learned a lot about Martin Luther King, but I didn't learn about this black Wall Street and I didn't learn about these things. Like, I didn't know that. Like, why didn't I know that? So what are we reading more stuff now? Are we seeing more stuff? Are we asking ourselves? um, Are we fooling ourselves? Right. Mm -hmm. How ignorant are we to some of the issues, discussions that we don't maybe understand because we live in the. In a bubble, not out of hate or 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 you know anything uh, misguided, just because Zoya's bad, you know. And so I think we're asking ourselves a lot of those questions, maybe as white people we are Um, but maybe we all are you know to a degree you know and and so I wonder those things I mean I'm talking out loud here I'm wondering a lot right now I don't know all the answers I don't have all the answers but I love that we're having all these discussions I love Mm -hmm. that I'm having these discussions uh, as well so I thought about this when it comes to Drew Brees because he's so well respected in the league yeah. He's.
0: I've never heard a bad thing about Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Never. Well, now keep in mind, he did call me the M.F. for that one time. I told the story. And I just. Yeah. Yeah. Like but that that but was yeah. between the lines. <laughs> it was You lines. know yeah, what? Yeah. I mean, at times was he wrong? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, he I'm just saying. Like, uh, I thought Drew Brees was like this clean-cut kind of dude, and all of a sudden, a quarterback sack later, he's getting in my face uh, with some expletive language. I hey, should well, say. Well, we see what Philip Rivers does. Of okay, course. And, and we saw Blaine Gabbert that one yeah, time I on mean, the sidelines. So. It's football. You got to be a little crazy, and you got to have. Have a little bit of a uh, of a crazy streak uh, to be successful. I so, get that. So I ask you this: We do
1: know universally, up until thirty six hours ago, Drew Brees is about as respected as you can get in yeah. the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I I say the do, do you think Drew Brees has a good
0: heart? Do, I mean, prior go, to go ahead and ask me this: Do I think Drew Brees is a good person? Yeah, I think Drew Brees is a good person. I wholeheartedly do. I mean, I haven't really had long conversations with the guys. Just from the teammates, what he brings to the table, of what I ask him, I think Drew Brees is a good person. Do you think he's a good teammate? White,
1: black, so offense, he, defense, receiver, defensive yeah. back?
0: So this is where I stand on this. And, and and this is why, obviously, I was against Drew Brees' comments, but this is, this is where I stand on the whole issue, okay? In my opinion, Brent, there's two types of people in this world. There's the type of people who can see somebody suffering, who can see somebody in agony, who can see someone that's just not mentally well, and they can put their arms around them and embrace them and say, you know what, I'm here for you. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to put my differences aside, my thoughts aside, and I'm just going to try to comfort you and make you feel better. And then there's the latter that says, you know what, I'm going to stay grounded. I don't care why you're upset. I don't care why you're sad. I'm going to think my way and good luck to you. Okay? Okay. When we talk about a locker room all the time, we always hear the term family. Now, I don't think an NFL locker room is a family because a coach used to always tell me this. In, in a family, you always have to drag the weakest person with you. Okay, that's what family is, right? If someone's sick, you're there for them. Um, if someone's dragging your family down, you try to help them out. Well, in football, in the NFL, if you have somebody that's weak, what happens? They get cut, cut okay, yeah. and then they're gone. So football is a brotherhood, but a brotherhood is still a very strong bond, all right? There's that camaraderie. So in my opinion, Drew Brees <clears throat> understands that there's a lot of, of his black brothers right now, you know, part of the brotherhood, that are hurting, okay? And and there's a lot of people in that locker room right now, white and black, that are upset, and they're ticked off, and it's hard to voice their frustrations, Drew Brees should know this. Drew Brees is the captain of that team. He has to know this. He's like a CEO. If he doesn't know this, then he's just naive. But my point is when there were people hurting, when, when, when his teammates were, I guess, asking for someone to back them up, he, for selfish reasons, had his own agenda, had his own initiative. Not saying maybe that initiative was wrong the way he thought it was, and obviously he didn't think it was going to blow back like this, or he wouldn't have said he would have it. Never said it, right? Yeah. But 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 the point is, instead of embracing the people that are feeling kind of bad right now and upset, he didn't do that. Well, and so I guess that's my point.
1: Everybody thinks Drew Brees is a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a mean-spirited guy. Black, white, indifferent, what he's done for that community through Hurricane Katrina to recently. By the way, this was a guy a month and a half ago who was being lauded for his $5 million donation to coronavirus pandemic in New Orleans. A player made a $5 million donation. Correct. So we know where he's coming from in that regard. But this is where I think uh, we as society, we as people have to be very careful. Ignorance is not an excuse. Being a tone being tone deaf is not an excuse. Right. And we've seen that at times. We use that word tone deaf often uh, in these kind of situations or even during the pandemic or or whatever. Uh, Right. We we said that all along about Major League Baseball. Don't be tone deaf to the situation we're in. 30 million Americans out of work and you're you're grumbling over billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. That's tone deaf. So we acknowledge that, but that also goes back to sometimes the bubble I think we live in, and I think uh, I think Breeze did this out of ignorance and that tone deaf nature more so than spite, hate, all any of those kind of things. Um, but the reaction was so loud, the reaction was so big, and one thing I want to ask you, and we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to ask you this: Do did we lose sight by? By taking corners and taking stances and being so harsh one way or another, maybe not even accepting this latest apology, which I'll ask you if people will. Yeah. Michael Thomas looks like he has, but has others. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shannon Sharp says guy should retire. Uh, Ed Reed said mm-hmm. I have no respect for you anymore. Um, N-
0: Malcolm Jenkins had a very long-winded, um, uh, expletive-laced, filled, um, I guess, Instagram video yesterday. And keep in mind, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's teammate. a teammate. That's a teammate. So that's, that's a brother.
1: So do we run the risk if if we just do that and and cancel everybody out into your uh, words, stopping the conversation? Mm-hmm. Like in the long run, could we say that Drew Brees did everybody a favor by sparking the conversation? Sure. Um, even though, in my opinion, he was misguided. It was mistimed. It was tone deaf. And at the same time, it, I really go back to what I read at the top of the show, I think, Monday, which was Richard Sherman's tweet and it was about the white quarterback and about what Carson Wentz had done over the weekend and what he said and others followed suit the white quarterback and who was listening to the white quarterback and then a couple days later the white quarterback says something that's so tone deaf Mm -hmm. and there's the backlash you know as I kind of comprehend this a little bit more over the last 24 hours I come back to the Richard Sherman tweet the Richard Sherman quote about what the white quarterback's role is not only in the NFL, but in their own communities and society and as superstar
0: athletes. See, to me, when you have guys like Carson Wentz speak out, when you have guys like Nick Foles speak out, that's what makes it so special. And that's what makes their word so strong, because you had a guy like Drew Brees, who once again, I think, you know, didn't mean to offend pretty much an entire locker room and maybe an entire city, but he did. But. It goes to show you that, listen, there, there is a miscommunication. Okay. There's people are not on the same page right now. And obviously, Drew Brees being one of those guys isn't on the same page. Now, Michael Thomas, I think today kind of um, accepted Drew Brees apology and ho- hopefully they can move on now, right? And we'll see what Emmanuel Sanders has to say. I just don't think it's going to be as simple as. Drew Brees says he's sorry, and then the player's going to be like, all right, man, welcome back. Well, I, I think I it's really clear as day it's think so. already not that simple. Yeah, it's not that simple. But like I said, Michael Thomas – we don't need to make things simple. No, true. But I said, like, Michael Thomas, I mean, according to his words on Twitter, seems to have forgiven Drew Brees. So we'll see from that. But it's just – when you have some of the bat and when you have some of the side where it kind of makes you shake your head a little bit and go, man, what are you doing? Like, why would you say that? Come on. Like, we're, we're, we're doing so good over here. We're making progress. And all of a sudden, you slowed us down a little bit. Well, then it makes you appreciate the guys like Carson Wentz, okay? It makes you appreciate the guys like Nick Foles. It makes you appreciate maybe the outliers, if you will, the the white quarterbacks who are, are kind of the, the the minority in this movement right now, but it makes you appreciate them because they're going about things the right way.
1: You know what else is as as wild again? We're talking about a lot of these things, uh, and also the, the latest going on. Um, and we have some, as I like to say always, we have some sports as well. You know, yeah. NBA has we're, voted. We're t- uh, talking UFC today yeah, too. Talk a little yeah. UFC. Got a guest coming on here in a little bit. Uh, we're also uh, talk a little bit about the Jags and and what about the other bottom feeders that are viewed in the NFL? Where do they rank? Kind of where do they sit? Uh, is it appropriate? Uh, And also, coaches are allowed back in the building uh, Mm -hmm. if they choose to be. Is that a good sign? Uh, What does that mean? How much will that help kind of return to play? Also, Duval County, as I mentioned yesterday during our interview with Bobby Ramsey, uh, June 15th, they'll be able to begin phase one of their – Return to sports in Duval County. So there are some sports going on, of course. But uh, we are going to mix the sports conversation with this conversation, uh, which we've had all week, because I continue to say sports intersects uh, with society. What else struck me about this last 24 hours? I know Drew Brees is one of the greatest of all time. I get it. But there are a lot of people that say that's just sports hmm. or yeah, it's sport. Come on, guys. It's not real life. It's it's like you guys think you're bigger than you are. You make all this money. Uh, sure. You know, I would say to to that like sports figures once again have been a high, highly noticeable during this last week. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's just the world I'm living in, or if it's the world. Like, I don't know if I just don't know actors. And actresses, and I haven't seen them. I don't know. Uh, maybe they've been just as relevant. Maybe oh, musicians they're, have too. Yeah, they're they're uh, out there. They're right, out there. So, but sports is in those categories where those figures are important. And specifically quarterbacks of NFL teams. Have they reached a point where they have to be very careful what they say because the power of their words is that of an owner? Is yeah. that of a big-time CEO? Is that of a big-time politician? Of that of a big-time musician? I mean, are we there? And I think Drew Brees is a great example of that. We might be there. And then there's also this question. Will something like this prevent white players, quarterbacks, other uh, athletes from saying anything Mm -hmm. for fear of backlash if they're misinterpreted? Even though if they don't feel like they're saying anything wrong, it doesn't come across well. Because it's too late once it's out there and you see the backlash. And then it goes away. It does go away. And so that's what I'm I'm a little worried about in the last 24 hours. It's like, don't you? We need prominent people to say this, and especially white players, Mm -hmm. white people to say things. But is there going to be fear of backlash after what Drew Brees just said and happened?
0: So so basically, what you're getting at here is in terms of political statements, should professional alleys go down that alley or is that something that they should maybe just well I do think the political play comes into it but yeah. I just
1: think in general I, okay. I understand this was about the flag and patriotism yeah. I get it and that gets spun into political belief I yeah. understand that um, but I also think at the root of patriotism at the root of the flag it's not anything to do with politics necessarily sure. I understand it turned into that in the last four years but the root of patriotism isn't shouldn't be democrat or republican and po- political yeah. my point is Will Gardner Minshew, mm-hmm. who has a platform, be afraid to say anything on that platform, whatever he's feeling, mm-hmm. whether people will agree or not, the black community will put their arms around or not. Will they be afraid to even attempt to rally people and say something because of what just went down with with Drew Brees? Yeah, I, I mean,
0: what it comes down to at the end of the day, Brent, once again, it, it's to me, it's not the black and white thing. It's the right and wrong thing. Yeah. OK. Um I think the way that Drew Brees answered that question it was wrong right because he didn't acknowledge what it was for in the first place yeah. right yeah. okay I mean take the politics aside for it just, is it right or wrong and obviously a lot of his teammates and a lot of his peers in the NFL would agree with me right now you saw the videos you saw the outrage so to answer your question you know do white athletes you know like like more white quarterbacks would they be afraid to speak out just because of the consequences well let me ask you this question if they don't speak out, should they be even be more afraid, right? Because yeah. let's be fair here. The quarterback position of the NFL, it's the ultimate double standard, okay? There's quarterbacks who don't have social media for a reason, right? Because you have to re- represent your company, the team, to the fullest, okay? So some quarterbacks don't have social media. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks out at the beach bar and stuff like that. Shout out to Blake Bortles, though. He was an exception. <laughs> but but you don't see a lot of quarterbacks you know, out in public gallivanting you know and 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 having a lot of fun because that's expected of them that's the double standard and i always say i think the quarterback position is probably the hardest position to play uh, in all professional sports so when we say that the quarterback is a position that's on a pedestal even greater than the best wide receiver even greater than the best defensive end and i think with the quarterback position comes a lot of responsibility And if you don't say something, I think you will get called out because you're you're the field general. You're the leader of the team. So you have to say something. But keep in mind, it has to be the right thing or else it's going to be. I'm not saying it's fair, Brett. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. But I'm saying the double standard of the quarterback position. I'm saying that's the way it is.
1: I think what my point being here is you better run it by someone to make sure it's not as tone deaf as Drew Brees was. Sure. Because I think people can respect different opinions and beliefs. Mm -hmm. But timing is everything as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that was ill-timed and not well done. And here we are. So uh, we'll talk about it. Is the bubble bursting in sports? I've got some thoughts on that. And I think that is a big issue, believe it or not. I know it sounds a little cliche, is the bubble bursting. But that hasn't happened in the sports world very often. I feel like it's happening a bit this week. We'll have more of it on ESPN 690 next a lot of heavy issues here this week on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. A lot of discussion and dialogue, and it's been really good uh, on a lot of different levels. And we're going to get back to it. Uh, obviously, the Drew Brees situation, uh, Jake Fromm, the latest uh, today, and also Florida State and Marvin Wilson. Uh, we also talked some sports. Jaguars coaches allowed back in the building tomorrow. Will they go? What will it mean? Does it accomplish anything? Gets us closer to training camps, perhaps? Uh, we actually even got a date by one of the coaches on, on training camp when that could Start uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we have a lot to uh, get to as the NBA approves back in action in late July. Brett Martineau, former Jags player and current MMA fighter, Austin Lane here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And sports got back to live action right here in Jacksonville a few weeks ago yep. with three UFC cards in a span of eight days, including UFC 249. And, uh, oh, this man was here for it and uh, one of the big stars when you talk UFC and the coverage on uh, ESPN. Ariel Helwani joins us right now at Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. Hey, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you enjoyed the time in Jacksonville a few weeks back.
2: Guys, thank you very much for having me. Um, unfortunately, I did not make the trip. I was not in Jacksonville, so I don't mean to correct you right off the bat. But, oh, you uh, did i did sorry. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't there, but uh, I heard great things about the hospitality and about how everyone was treated, so... One of these days, I'd love to. I'd love to visit.
1: Well, what was your your take then from afar? Uh, apologies, there. I thought you uh, you you were involved in, in it um, to some g- degree. But what was your take on how they came back and how it came back? Uh, was it a success?
2: Well, everyone was really happy. Um, it seemed like the fighters were really happy with the way that they were treated um, by the organization, by the commission, etc. Um, I think it's really been interesting because they held those three events um, at the the ViStar. Uh, arena. And, you know, obviously no one was there. And now since then they've moved their events to Las Vegas and it's in a totally different facility. It's in like a quaint, I don't even want to call it an arena. It's called the UFC apex. It was built at their headquarters and it was essentially built for these shows without fans. But the Nevada state athletic commission has been very strict about, you know, the rules and regulations and testing and social distancing and wearing masks. And I think it's actually, uh, shed some light on the fact that the Florida State Boxing Commission wasn't as strict as they probably should have been. Now, in hindsight, it seems like all went well. Only one fighter and two of his cornermen, uh, tested positive, and that was prior to the first event. And I don't want to minimize that, that one fighter. Um, but it was a big name fighter, Jacare Ray Souza, and by all accounts, he's doing well now. But to think that they did three events and they only, you know, they only had one positive test for one fighter. I think is is something that they should be pretty happy about because I think a lot of people were expecting more. So overall, I think the U.S. is really happy that Florida allowed them to do the events here and open their their doors first to them and allowed them to do it under the Florida State uh, Boxing Commission regulation. And, uh, and I think that actually set the ball in motion for Nevada and other commissions to say that they were comfortable with it as well.
0: Hey, Ariel, Austin Lane here, man. On, on behalf of MMA fans everywhere, let me just say thank you for joining the show today because usually here on ESPN 690, we talk a lot of golf. And every once in a while, we get some MMA talk. So thank you for joining, man, and kind of giving something in my wheelhouse a little bit. You, okay, Thank you, yeah. you for having me, Austin. No problem, no problem. Say so, okay. tell them
1: you're like a big golfer or something. Just do me a favor. You play, <laughs> play golf. You play golf or something like that.
2: Nope, no golf here. <laughs> there it is. L-MMA all the
0: time. Yes, there it is. Brent, you can't have it both ways, man. Pick a side and stay on it. All right, so so we mentioned the, the UFC Apex, Ariel, and obviously UFC 250 happening this weekend. Felicia Spencer, a girl that I know who trains in Orlando, taking on Amanda Nunes. Um, I think we look at Felicia Spencer, kind of an underrated striker a little bit with a great ground game. Obviously got her rounds in uh, against Cyborg, right? And we have Amanda Nunes, who's arguably the greatest female mixed martial artist of all time. It's going to be a tough test for Amanda Nunez for sure. But if Amanda Nunez was to win this fight, what's left for her? You know, like we always talk about the big money fights, you know, when you become a champion and things like that. As far as I see from the division right now, there's not much left for Amanda Nunez. So is she kind of on the back nine of her career? Is she on her swan song? Or is there still a lot for her to accomplish?
2: Okay, first of all, I appreciate the question and the knowledge because you do a lot of these, you know, radio spots and you get a lot of, you know, Sort of uneducated hosts or things like that. So clearly, I know. I mean, I know of your background, Austin. I know that you're a fighter, but it's good to get some uh, some educated questions if you know what I'm saying. The educated part you, will come
1: from me. That's why I'm asking about <laughs> golf.
2: Yes, yes, of course. Of course. Um, I did love the match. The match was a lot of fun. That's all I got as far as golf. Um, <laughs> So, so you know, Amanda Nunes, I don't think she's on the back end because, first of all, she's won 10 in a row. And I know that it's a little thin at 145 and 135, but there's still some competition out there. It's, okay, let's say she wins this fight. And by the way, I'm not sleeping on her opponent, Felicia Spencer. And it has nothing to do with the fact that we come from the, the same hometown, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. She's really good, 9-1. I would say her most impressive performance in the UFC was her one loss. When she fought Chris Cyborg with a lot of heart, will, determination, she kept moving forward. It was supremely impressive how she fought her. She wasn't phased. She wasn't rattled by her, went the distance. I really walked away feeling like she could be a legit contender at 145. And since then, she's won a fight, and now she gets the title shot. And a lot of people believe that Amanda Nunes is, is best on her feet. And then when you... Consider the fact that Felicia Spencer is best on the ground. She's a BJJ black belt. I feel like if she could take this fight to the ground where Jermaine Durandamy, who Amanda Nunes fought back in December, took the fight, and Jermaine Durandamy isn't a, a, a ground fighter and doesn't have the credentials, at least on the ground, that Felicia Spencer has, this could be really interesting. So I'm not sleeping on Felicia. I know she's a 4-1 to one underdog, but I think it'll be a tough fight. If, in fact, Amanda gets by her, I'd like to see her go back down to 135 and fight someone like Irene Aldana, who's <laughs> really good as of late has won uh, five of her last six. She's coming off a great knockout in December on that same card where Amanda fought against Caitlin Vieira. I really do think that she could uh, give Amanda a tough test. So there's always going to be people out there. Are there sexy fights? Maybe not. But then eventually, a couple more fights, you could get the trilogy fight against Valentina Shevchenko. So I really think that uh, that would be amazing too because Valentina's the 125 champion. So... All that to say, there's still stuff out there, but she's got to
0: focus on Saturday. All right, man, we'll, we'll get you for a few more minutes here. We will take up too much more of your time, but I got a couple quick hitters for you real, uh, real fast faster. Obviously, yeah, you man. you also cover the NBA, and it's cool to watch because I can tell you to enjoy it. You're almost like a kid in a candy store. You follow the NBA. You're a big fan of it. You talk about it, and you're great. If you were to take, like, Steph Curry, if you were to take – lebron james right now in the nba and they're going to voice their displeasure about not getting enough money it would be headlines across the world like wow lebron james might sit out because he's not getting enough money when we talk about a guy like john jones who's arguably the greatest mma fighter of all time saying that he wants more money and going against literally a ceo who's notorious for kind of doing things his way what's going to come of this i mean should should this be more of headlines right now saying that john jones wants more money and should the ufc give him more money
2: yeah, I mean, that's a great analogy. That's that's exactly it. It always drives me nuts when people compare uh, Dana to, say, Adam Silver or Raj Goodell. He's not a commissioner, right? He's just an owner. And so to have arguably the best fighter on the planet right now and arguably the greatest fighter of all time openly feuding with the owner of the team, thats uh, that's a really interesting spot. So I'm curious. I mean, what I would love to see happen right now is they need to just Stop tweeting, stop texting, stop talking about it, and, like, sit down either in the same room or on a Zoom call or something like that. Do it virtually and just figure this thing out because John's point of contention is, hey, when I signed my last contract, he told me that if I move up to heavyweight, you know, I, you know, I, I'm going to get a bump in pay. And you're not giving me a bump in pay right now. So what's going on? And Dana's saying, no, you're going to have to, like, you know, do what's on your contract. And so they just need to figure this out. Sit down and give the people the fight that everyone wants to see, and that's John Jones versus Francis Ngannou.
0: Ariel, last question for you, man. Then we're gonna let you go. Uh, so we had Dan White on the show right, right, right before the UFC events here in Jacksonville, and he did two things. Naming that I take from that interview: number one, he criticized the media big time, and I have that as my ringtone now for my co-host talks to me or he calls me on the phone. I thought it was a great soundbite, but the second thing uh, that I took away from asking the question. The ultimate fighter right now. You know, ESPN obviously hurting for content, hurting for live sporting content. And I brought up the ultimate fighter to Dan White. And he said they're actually indeed working on it right now as we speak. In your opinion, who would make the perfect, I guess, coaches on the ultimate fighter? Because keep in mind, it's ESPN's kind of uh, embrace to the world of here. This is mixed martial arts. This is reality television. So they have to have good coaches. Who would you like to see be the coaches of the next season of the ultimate fighter?
2: Number one, Austin Lane, definitely, (laughs) without a doubt. Um, No, hey, count me out for the Ultimate Fighter. We saw that for, like, 15 years. It ran its course. I have no idea why they're interested in in running that one up again. I mean, like, it, it ran its course. We have the Contender Series now. We don't need the Ultimate Fighter. We don't need the hijinks. We don't need the coaches' challenges. We don't need any of that stuff. And... I mean, not surprised to hear him take a shot at the media, but I would say that the MMA media has done a great job of covering, you know, the UFC's return. And uh, and I think that we should appreciate the, the media a little more because, uh, you know... Tough times out there for the media, and I think that we're doing a great job. Well, and especially your ringtone.
0: Well, I mean, just let's be honest, though, man. I'm part of the media too, as well, right? So, I mean, I, I kind of just had it as more of just laughing at everything. that yeah, like you, you said it was pointed I, uh, at me. Yeah, much yeah, much it, it, like it was pointed thing. at Brent. It wasn't uh, pointed the, at me. The uneducated yeah. point of view, Ariel on yeah. uh, MMA <laughs> show
1: podcast. Make sure you check it out. Hey, man, thanks sir, for joining us, and we appreciate the few minutes. All the best, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank all you, man. You bet. Uh, Ariel Helwani. Uh, uh, did I just assume that he was in Jacksonville, or did I see him in
0: interviews during that week that he might have been back home like everybody else? Has? I think you probably saw him in Bristol back back home in like but, the, yeah, the studio I, talking. I yeah. guess I didn't realize but I mean, that. But no, I see where you're coming from, though, man. It's okay. But uh, it's all right. By but. the
1: way, this is this. You know, when you say U- UFC Apex, yeah. Like I'm reading about 25 foot cage as opposed to
0: 30 foot cage. Sure.
1: If that doesn't mean anything to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's a little different, obviously, right? Because it's more considered a training center than it is actually like a live venue, per se. Okay. But I mean... In terms of, like, five feet difference, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, for, for some styles of fighting, it could be, like, a style bender or, like, a John Jones who was, who's trying to stay long, use the whole cage. That's a big deal. But for 95% of UFC fighters out there, they won't notice a difference.
1: All right, we appreciate Ariel Helwani coming on MMA Show Podcast. Check it out. Obviously, UFC 250 taking place from Las Vegas coming up tomorrow night on ESPN Plus and Pay-Per-View. When we get back, we talk some sports, and we're Drew Brees, Jake Fromm, and Florida State. A new statement issued by Mike Norvell. We'll have it for you on ESPN 690.
2: It was after we won the Super Bowl. I was uh, at a location. I'm not going to say where, um, but I was at a location. I was, in, I was in California at the time. I was at a place to get breakfast. So I was in, I was in line and everything else. An older gentleman, white gentleman, told me that's not for you. I thought he was joking at first. You know, my, my my back was kind of turned, and you know, and you know, I had just come off a of Super Bowl, and you know, and everything else. So, if somebody's talking to me that way, you know, think about just not that, not that circumstance, and will help 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 people talk to you.
1: That is Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, Russell Wilson, surprisingly not an MVP yet, although it feels like he could have won it a few times. Uh, talking today uh, on a conference call. With the media, it is supposed to be about football. And I think what I read pretty much the whole thing was about what's happening in our society today, in the United States today, uh, using that platform and sharing stories like that. So we will uh, talk a little bit more uh, about it from a Russell Wilson standpoint. You'll hear from him throughout the show. One thing I, I want to get to uh, here quickly is in the last hour, uh, Mike Norvell hmm. issued a statement from Florida State. And uh, it just if you're not caught up on what happened to Sean Reed, who we've had on the show quite a bit from yeah. the athletic, who's now covering the Raiders, actually used to cover Florida State and now covers the Las Vegas Raiders uh, out there is working on a piece around you know what's going on uh, with sports and, and society here uh, amidst the protests. And he got Mike Norvell to comment. And in that comment, in that quote, was how he had had discussions with every player on the team in the last couple of weeks and reached out to them and and, and the rest of it, um, you know, and they're going to take some action. Mm-hmm. Well, Marvin Wilson called him out on it. Now, Marvin Wilson, talented defensive player for Florida State, top ten pick kind of guy. He's Cap- a beast, man. Team captain. Yeah. All you got to know. And he said, this ain't true. This was late last night. He said, this isn't true. He's like, I haven't talked to coach. He sent a generic blast out to everybody and mm-hmm. hasn't talked to, to, to players individually. It's a lie. And until we get something straightened out here, we're not working out because florida state's back on campus voluntary workouts and and you can do that in tallahassee well he said we're not working out. he actually spoke for the entire team now who knows if the entire team would have followed suit and not worked out but to be fair i think when a captain does that yes. i mean this would
0: be the equivalent of like a pause when i played if you said that and if pause says something then you better do it you know so
1: then there was a meeting this morning in tallahassee with the football team with mike norvell and uh it was characterized by the athletic director as a good meeting um and the, uh, the only part I didn't like about that characterization, like we're moving on, uh, because this really isn't a time to be moving on. I'll get into that part of it a little bit later. Yeah. That's got to do a little bit of something with my sports bubble that I want to talk about. But now uh, within the hour, Mike Norvell, the new coach, hasn't even coached a game, hasn't even really coached a practice because of coronavirus, uh, has this to say. I'm proud of Morbin for utilizing his platform to express his reaction to my comments in an earlier interview last Saturday evening. I sent a text to each player individually to present an opportunity for open communication with me. Many members of our team chose to respond and have more in-depth conversations about issues and feelings. Marvin is right. It was a mistake to use the word every, particularly at this time, words are important. And I'm sorry. Once again, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I was given to speak to our team more in depth as a result of Marvin being willing to express his feelings. We will continue to communicate and work together to be part of the solution, making our world a better place for all in capital letters. Uh, so uh you know overall I, I think pretty good by Mike Norvell to to uh, you know signify to I think uh, applaud Marvin Wilson that's that will probably do well in the locker room to applaud Marvin Wilson sure uh but to also recognize that he uh he blanket statement and said, "Hey, I've had a discussion with everyone." Which, really, if you think about it, it's unrealistic. I mean, what's the chances in four days you've had a discussion, an in-depth discussion with every single person on your football team? It's pretty unrealistic. Uh, and he was called out by the player and taken a task. What do you make of it?
0: Um, I guess I, I, I'm a little more. Um I don't say upset, but I'm just a little more, whatever. Like, come on, man. I think more than you are right now. Because here's my problem with what Norvell did. Okay. Number one, he lied. Okay. You you can say that you said one word wrong, your words are miscontrived. You lied, man. Okay. You you said you talked to every single player about the issue, and you went on this, this, you know, this emotional, like inspiring piece and everything, but you lied about it. And I guess this is where my frustration comes down to, Brent. The world of college football is cutthroat, and to be a successful college football dynasty, a program, what do you have to do? You have to be able to recruit, okay? So every single time you see a coach on TV, every single time you see a coach in a press conference, every single time you see a coach in society, I always feel like that coach is trying to put on for the program, that coach is always trying to, like, hey, look what I'm doing. Come over here. You know what I'm saying? Now, yeah, don't get me don't get me wrong. There's some coaches out there that are just – they're so well-respected. They have built the dynasty, like in Nick Saban, where it's like, man, I think Nick Saban can kind of say whatever he wants. He can remain quiet, and people are still going to go play for Alabama just because, like, he's built that up. But, like, you know, in this case at Florida State – To me, this was an opportunity for him to say, you know what, I'm going to use my platform. Yeah, and maybe I'm going to speak on uh, racial injustice, but I'm also going to use a chance to get my voice out there and say, hey, look look at me. I'm the right guy for Florida State. We're turning the program along. Check me out. And then you lied about it. So this is where my frustration with Norvo comes from, where it's like, to me, he treated it like a press conference to say why Florida State's turning around and why he's going to be the guy for the job, but he lied. And now he got called out on that lie, and he's trying to move on like nothing happened.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I don't – is he trying to move on like nothing happened? I don't know what else he's supposed to do right here. He had a team meeting, and he also acknowledged that he didn't – his words were not accurate, and he also applauded Marvin Wilson. I don't know what else he's supposed to do right now. I mean, I I guess that's – that's the uh like Drew Brees. will talk about a little bit his apology. You could tell it was a heartfelt apology, but you could also criticize his apology for still not really recognizing and acknowledging what the protests were all about from Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Like that's a fair discussion. Like you still have not really said, OK, this is not what it was about. And yeah. you have the platform to do that and join in and say that. And I think he's being criticized a little bit for that. And I think that's somewhat of a fair criticism. I don't really know what else uh, Mike Norvell is supposed oh, to do. Now, he might uh, pay for this yeah. in recruiting. He mu- uh, the you know, opposition will certainly make him pay for this in recruiting. Mm. He might pay for it in his own football team and, and kind of lay in the foundation and the, and the the groundwork for what's to come. Um, I, but now it's about actions, about, okay, you got to – You've got to really have the back of your players and listen to your players and and do actionable things, I think, going forward. Uh, I don't know if this is something I would say, hey, man, I, you should never coach a game at Florida State about. I, I didn't feel that, yeah. uh, in essence. Uh, we'll put them behind the eight ball, though.
0: Yeah, I just think that, listen, if you say, and I quote, I went back and forth individually with every player this weekend, and that was something that was important to me because yeah. this is heartbreaking in our country. Okay? That's you saying that you made the effort to talk to every single player because you understand what's going on. And then it turns out that you lied about it. I mean, yeah, I have an issue with that. Yeah. Okay? Because once again, you're you're trying to hype up yourself, hype up the program, hype up your culture of what you bring to the team, and it's a lie. So I get what you're saying, but Yeah, he, he acknowledged the player that called him out, and that was the right thing to do. And how much more can Norville really do? Probably not that much. But I'm just saying, I think people still have a right to be a little disappointed oh, and, yeah. and still be a little upset no, with him. No doubt. No, yeah. no doubt. He's yeah. going to have to earn it back. I mean, Absolutely. You, about, you know,
1: the players have to earn trust of coaches sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes. Coaches have to earn trust to
0: players. Absolutely. And Mike
1: Norvell's in a tough spot. He's got a pandemic. He's got a, a mad football team. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to earn the trust back of players. Certain players, definitely Marvin Wilson, but maybe yeah. more.
0: Maybe the entire thing. Let me ask you this. How does this come to fruition the rest of the season? Like, Is there going to be issues, or do you think the players accept that apology? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I think it will be uh, how he responds to it. And by the way, you said something. Lied. Welcome to college football and mm-hmm. college sports and that bubble. The bubble is breaking. More on that on ESPN 690 next.